And while you're getting that ready, Cephas, where are you? Are you over here? Come and say hello to everybody. Come say hello. Cephas leads a church in Lusaka, in Zambia, and it's part of the 412 field. Say hello. Say something. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I'm Cephas, coming from Lusaka, Zambia. Came for 412 workshops, starting with the African, Central African leaders that we had last week. And then this week we have um, together as international leaders meeting at Wellington. And then the final week will be there for the general conference. Back in Lusaka, I lead a church. He's been there, he's preached there. And then it's a wonderful church indeed. Also, just working very hard as the Bible teaches us that we may, we may lead to perfection and holiness. So I'm busy with that. Yeah. What else? That's good. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thanks, sir. <laughs> Do you need to repeat that scripture? Have you got it? You're okay. Repeat it. It was Ephesians 3. I think I said, I think from 7. Through to about 11, yeah. Uh, when, I, when you go to the soccer, they say to you, we want minimum one hour of the word. That's after worshipping for two hours before you even get there. They've got great endurance, those beautiful people. <laughs> yep, tonight's a special night. And um, I think God's uh, doing some beautiful things through us even before we, at this moment. And so hopefully a continuation of worship of God. And, and I think the Lord wants, you know, I don't think you realize the, the beautiful season, the time that we're living in. The Bible says in Hebrews that the prophets of old, they were prophesied and they didn't understand what, the, what time, and they realized what this, for us this time that we are living in now, they were prophesying into. We're living in a most amazing season and time in God, what God is doing in the end of the ages as we come to the end of this time. You're aliens and strangers in this world passing through, uh, looking for a better kingdom, one that's going to come. Uh, heavenly kingdom. And it's a very exciting thing. And uh, we've been, some of us older folk here, have been very privileged to see a restoration of truth. There's no new truth. Everything that's in here is in here. And it's complete. But often God reveals things. We see during the, I think it was the 1800s, uh, re- restoration of understanding of, well, first of all, there was the grace message, salvation by grace. We're living in that. They only had uh, the Roman Catholic understanding of salvation up until that point. And then Martin Luther put his was 95 thesis on the door in Wittenberg, I think it was. And, uh, and that really, really, and it was saved by grace. There's no works involved. And so you can do nothing for your salvation. That was a restoration of a truth, which we are just take for granted. It's just part of it. We sang our first song, His Grace. And uh, then we saw a restoration of, of uh, water baptism. Um, getting, you know, for us it's so normal. You get born again, saved. Hey, do you know about water baptism? And it's just a normal pro- part of the process of, of our salvation experience. Um, and then the early 1900s, we saw the Zusa Street revival. Uh, I think it was about 1903, 1904, where suddenly the Pentecostal revival, where people started speaking in tongues. Tonight, Brett said, hey, has anyone's got a word in a, in a tongue? And uh, suddenly people started speaking in this language and no one understood what was going on and we saw the, re, the, the, the birthing a restoration of, of the understanding of the Pentecostal gifts um, and the way the Holy Spirit works on this earth. And then the 1940s, 50s, we saw the charismatic gifts getting restored. Um, there were 
big names, uh, Catherine Kuhlman, uh, A. Allen, uh, what's the guy um, who went into Branham, William Branham, who performed incredible miracles, stuff that we very rarely see today, where there was this power, there were power gifts, but there was no wineskin uh, to contain the pouring out of the Spirit. And so it was chaos often. The meetings were chaos, um, fantastic healings of the body, uh, I mean, like serious, genuine miracles. I went to Bible college in 1982, and the guy who was leading the Bible college in this established a guy called Fred Roberts. Um, he's now passed away, gone to be with the Lord. He lived during that time. He said, I've never seen him all my life. And he was a faith man. He, he was part of the whole restoration of faith in the 1970s and 80s. Uh, and he said, I've never seen anyone walk like William Branham in the power of God. Where people even tested him. They, they brought two guys, thought we're going to test this guy. They brought in a guy and they pretended he was blind. And he just turned into a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. This guy, you've come to test the spirit of God. You will be blind. Just like Paul did in the book of Acts. He said, you will say to the one guy, you will be blind. And the guy went blind by the power of God, not demonic power. It's in the Bible. And, uh, and then we, yeah, so we saw the restoration of the charismatic gifts. And, um, and I got probably saved into a church like that. And then, we, then in our lifetime, we saw the restoration of the apostolic. Not apostolic as in can write scripture. There was a different apostles we had in the early church. Um, but we, there was sudden... I suddenly read the scripture, and God highlighted and brought it into our attention that, wait a minute, there is, there is apostolic gifts. And uh, they're there to, to bless the church, to encourage the church, to teach the church. And we experience, um, and they're not someone we elevate and put above us. Okay, because we're all just brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're all just saints. But God distributes gifts as he wills. And uh, we met Andrew in 1999, January 99, when the church, Joshua Generation, was first planted and started. And and we've seen the grace gift flow into his life and from his life. And that's why we actually are who we are today and walking in that. And, um, and often we don't realize how much we're walking in and the purpose of God because just the grace on Andrew's life. And it's not Andrew didn't earn it. He didn't deserve it. God just said, I'm choosing this man to put this gift on him. And, we, and this week... We're going to be, uh, well, starting this week, a lot of us, like Cephas, and we're going away and with the, some of the international leaders. And then next week, we've got the conference, as you guys know. And that's, a lot of it is about, we call it 412, Ephesians 412, because it's, um, a, it's, a sta- it's, it's the gifts are being given, the fivefold ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor, for the equipping of the saints for the works of service. And so Andrew's gift has been given to equip the church for the works of service, that every one of you, when you stand before God one day, are able to say, Lord, because you're going to have to all give an account for your life, the Bible says. And he's going to st- you're going to stand before him. First, if you're born again, and, you, and there's only one type of Christian, there's not different versions, Jesus said, unless you're born again. And so if, you, if you're a born again Christian, you know the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you won't go through a judgment uh, like other guys would go through. There's a different type of judgment. But the Bible says that there's a separate judgment that we will have to go through as Christians for the Bible says for works done in the flesh, in the body. And there's lots of scripture to support that. God doesn't expect us just to suck air, eat food, and just just go through this life. I was in business for 23 years. Um, I drove the E-Class Mercedes. I was a senior manager of a Total, the French Petroleum Company, the chemical division. And I only came to ministry about 21 years ago. Um, and I've been, I had the career path. I had the letter from Total saying, uh, you know, come to Cape Town. We're only supposed to be here for 18 months. I was 20, 
five years ago, and, um, and then go to Europe for two years and come back to Durban. I'm from Durban, and I was going to oversee all the factories in South Africa. That was our career path. I still got that letter in my office. But God just tore that up and said, I've got you down here for another purpose. And my gifting would be, Andrew recognized it as a fivefold pastor, where I equip in the area of pastoring. And so I see through the lens of pastoring of a pastor. I'm, and I'm just a gift. You're a gift. Every one of you is a gift to the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. He's building the church. And we are his hands and feet and mouth. And, and, and we are those who, who call to do the works of the church, of, of Jesus. So we can through his, represent his body well. But it's no good the body being half a body or parts missing. Every single part of the, of the church has got to be in position and doing what it's called to do. And so as, as, diff, as elders, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's five elders in this congregation. Um, we, we one church, Joshua Generation, meeting in different areas. So this church is not autonomous, this congregation. We call it congregations. I'm an elder in this congregation. So is Dion, who's here with us tonight. And, and uh, is anybody else? And um, we're elders in this congregation. But we've entrusted that, as, as the Lord entrusted the whole of Joshua generation, and 412, for that matter, to Andrew Selly, uh, he's, uh, Baal says, entrust these things to reliable men. Paul said that to Timothy. So we look for reliable men who we can trust to lead the different congregations that we've got. And, and the elders alongside them, they're a team of elders who've got a responsibility under God and an authority under God. And tonight I actually want to emphasize the role of elders and leaders in the church. Because if we don't understand their role and who they are, we're, going to, we're not going to respond well to them. When God wants, when he speaks, and he says he wants to lead us and take us, he takes us into battle. We are continuously in battle with an enemy who doesn't play fair. He's a vicious enemy, um, seeking whom he may devour. He's prowling around like a roaring lion. I got involved in a deliverance the other day and I wasn't even there. Um, I was into another country. I was busy preaching like this in Milneton, and I had my phone out. I, I don't need it because I've got a, a clock up there, but I use my phone as a timer, and it starts ringing in another country, and I uh, obviously didn't take the call. It's a bit rude, you know. I was busy liking something on Facebook, anyhow. I couldn't take the call. Um, <laughs> so, but later I listened to the voice message, and it was, an, it was a, a leader in one of our congregations in another country, were an outreach congregation we call it, where it's about 20, 30 folk. And he was busy doing a deliverance. He was trying to get hold of me to help him. So he said, look, he, need, he felt he needed an eldership authority there. He, so he's not an elder himself. He says, um, he says I'm going to use my name. So he said, I use your name. You know Russell Fraser. And apparently I'm known in this other country as well. So here we go. Um, so you know, we've got an authority that God's given us. And Paul says uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and chapter 13, he says, my authority that God has given me is to build you up, not to break you down. To build you up, not to break you down. And if you've been in, with us long enough, you'll know that we're not yet to lord it over you. Um, you don't exist that we can have a job. We, we exist because you exist. God said, I've got my people and I, want, I need leaders. So let me entrust it to Dion, uh, Cole, and Brett and all the other guys, let me trust this because you are precious. You, bought, you belong to Jesus, not to us. And we're not here to build Josh Jen or 412. We're here to build the kingdom of God. And so you are precious. You're the most expensive thing on this planet. You were bought to the price of Jesus' blood, of his life. He came to lay down his life that you may live. And we've been given as, we're under shepherds. Jesus is known as the Archie um, Pomain. We are Pomain, which is pastor and elders. So elder, we use the word 
elder, preferably to the word pastor. The world would know us as pastors. And sometimes when we're dealing in a, in a worldly context, they say, what are you? I'll say, I'm a pastor. If they're trying to describe what I do. But the, the correct term would be elder. But, but it's very interchangeable, especially see in 1 Peter 5. We'll get there in a moment. Um, so, the, so we're even bishops as well, by the way. That's also one of the terms we see in, in um, an overseer term used in 1 Peter 5. And so uh, there's enough, there's, God's given us something to, to glorify Him. Your whole life, as I, as I says, to glorify God. That's why I exist, not to have a career path, to have a business. I had my own business for seven years even, and it's not about that. You know, I'm at the stage of life where I can look back and realize how doff I was sometimes, how stupid I was sometimes, and how I gave something so much um, attention, which maybe more than I should have. Grip my, things grip my heart sometimes, because I'm a very, whatever I do, I'll do it passionately. And whatever I do, I'll do flat out 100%. I want to give myself to that. And when I got born again at the age of 21, many decades ago, it was all or nothing. I said, Lord, here I am. I'm coming here to follow you. I laid down everything. I, was, I sold everything I had to go to Bible college for a year. Um, everything. I had nothing left. And I got married to Jenny at the time. She had a car, which I hated, the old VW Beetles. Um, I had to drive this thing. And um, a very humbling experience. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, we're here to serve God with our lives. Um, this is what it's all about. Tonight, we don't worship Sunday meetings. Sunday meetings are a wonderful time where we come together as family and we can worship God and get equipped for Monday. Monday to Sunday is church, not just Sunday. Church is seven days a week, 24 hours. We are, we are the church. Wherever you go, you take the presence of God with you. And you live it out for Him to glorify His name. But we've been given a responsibility. And I want to just let you little insight, like have a peek into our lives in, a little, in some way so you can understand the weight that we carry as elders. Not to, not to feel sorry for us, but just that you can understand what it's like. The other day I felt... I felt a bit bad that the way I had acted for 20 years as a deacon uh, and a home group leader. And then I was very critical of the elders. I realized looking back, I could do it better. You know, I always, I think they should have done it this way. And oh, why are they doing it like that? They don't know what they're doing. And you just realize you start judging them and you think you know better. It's like when you're a teenager, you know, you, you know, you know better than your parents how to do life. And when you become a parent yourself, suddenly you realize, wait a minute, this, so this is what it's like to be a parent, you know, responsibility. So there's, a, there's something that we carry as elders that's, that the, and we just saints at the end of the day with given a task to do. So we're not above you, um, we're over you in the Lord in terms of for your benefits, but not over you as in better than you. Uh, and, and so, you know, you, don't have to, you all know by now, you don't have to come through us to hear God. We're all priests we, in, the, in the kingdom of God. But there's something of a weightiness that elders carry, which is hard to define. So if you are parents here, you'll understand what it's like. Because we've, you know, Paul referred to himself as a father. I'm a father to you. Um, John refers to them, my little children. Not in a patronizing way, but in, a, in just an expression of his deep love and care for the people. If you could only see how the elders cared for you sometimes and agonized over you, you would be amazed. Um, Wednesday night, I stood here actually Wednesday night with the Durbanville AM congregation, not, not Central, the other one. Um, and I had to discipline a lady out of the church. The Bible says 1 Corinthians 5. If someone is unrepentant of sin, then you have to, when you are assembled, you have to hand that person over to Satan. We don't, have, we don't put them out of Josh Chen. We put them out of the church worldwide. 
You know what a responsibility that is? That's just taking place in the heavenlies. Matthew 18 says, you know, if a brother sins, go to the brother. If he doesn't listen, take someone else. If he doesn't listen, take it to the church. And says, treat him as a pagan or tax collector. Whatever you bind on earth, we bound in heaven. In the context of church discipline. You know how responsible that is? I mean, I'm shaking when I, when I stood there on Wednesday night, I was shaking in my boots. That I've got to exercise a spiritual authority over some beautiful lady who's gone skew and made bad decisions and dug in. And, and this is after pleading and begging and elders going around and please see reason. And she knew she was sinning. She said, I know what you have to do. And I've sat with so many people over the years. They sat in my lounge and said, I know I'm sinning. The Holy Spirit's convicting me. The Word's convicting me, but I choose to do it. It's like, why? Why would you trade the little pleasure in this life? And it is pleasure in this life. And often it's relationships. For God, how can you even compare the two? So there's an awesome responsibility that we carry and a, and a weight that we carry, an authority we carry. You know, even I was just reading this week, uh, as Philemon, when Paul's talking about the slave, you know, coming back, and he says, I could command you, but I don't want to command you. I want you to buy into what I'm asking you to do. Take the slave back as a brother. And Paul often uses the word command. He says, I command those who are rich in this world to be generous, not suggest Hey, have you thought about, have you considered? Command. And when do you ever hear us that word? We don't using that word. We don't. We're too scared to use it. But we need to sometimes just restore, especially in this generation who doesn't understand authority anymore and doesn't respect authority. Everybody's an expert. Just go on social media for two seconds and you'll find out that everyone's an expert on every topic and they know better than everyone else. Who's, who, and the Bible says, you know, God's given authorities in this world even that we call to respect and honor. They say pastors are the, I think it's 29th most trusted people in the United States at the moment because of all the scandals that the big mega churches have been through, deconstructing their faith and all this type of thing, you know. And even more so for a lead elder. I've just handed over Durbanville AM, which I was leading for 10 years, to to Kevin, and Kevin said, sure, now I know why you're so forgetful and couldn't remember things, you know, because there's so many things you're trying to remember and juggle, and because you've got a whole lot of people's lives, I mean, at the end, I'm, I'm only responsible to a certain extent for the people that God's entrusted, I, I can't live their lives for them, and they're not called to be uh, codependent on me, or independent, they're called, called to be interdependent, that I, we need each other, they need my gift, people need my gift, because God raised me up. I didn't raise myself up. I just made myself available and allowed the Lord to purify me and, and get me to the place where I'm usable, which is scripture. I can use that to back you up. Back up. This is put up. Sorry, I've been going for, I haven't put any scripture up. Raymond, are you still there? You left the building. Uh, could you put up that scripture, please? Uh, it was Ephesians 3. Um, sorry, get the back of my head up. A little bit small for me that, over there. I became a servant of this gospel. By the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power, which is what I've been saying. Although I'm less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, no other plan, no, there's no plan B, only plan A, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We'll stop there. We're it, folks. We're, this is it. 
This is how God wants to make himself known. He's wisdom known. He wants us to be represent him and reflect him. And, we, and God has always raised up, all through Scripture, he's always raised up a leader to lead his people. He's never worked in a vacuum. It's not a democracy. Even Winston Churchill said democracy is the worst form of government. The only problem is all the rest are even worse. So this is not a de- democracy. This is, this is actually a theocracy. God has raised up people. I mean, I recognize Andrew as a man called, led by God. Do I hold him to account? I do. Because that's what we're called to do, to hold each other to account. Not in a critical way, always waiting for him to make mistakes and jumping in when he makes a mistake. But in terms of his marriage, in terms of how he handles his finances, because we live transparent lives in Joshua. And Paul said, you saw how I lived amongst you. We don't pop up here on a Sunday. So Andrew has been tried and tested by God, and God has put him in the place of leadership over us apostolically. So we've... This congregation has got elders on the ground who call to pastor and shepherd you and to look after you to bring doctrine that that's, has come from those who direct the affairs of the church. And uh, oh, I'm going to blank the scripture. Where are those who direct the affairs of the church? What's that scripture? Um, a worthy double honor. Well, that one. Yeah. So there are those who direct, especially those who preach and teach. So there is an element. I mean, even Paul, when he went to Jerusalem, he didn't go to all the apostles. He only went to the three, Peter, James, John. He said, those who seem to be pillars of the church. So God, even within amongst us, there's different grace gifts that God's given to lead his people. As an eldership team, we've got a big eldership team now. We're equal, but we're not equal. That makes sense. There are some who've got more of a, an authority that God's put on their lives to lead sometimes the other elders and to have authority into their lives. So it's a, it's a, it's a massive responsibility. In Hebrews 13, 7. You can, I did give you that one, Raymond, so you can put that up. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Consider the outcome of their way of life. So there should be a living amongst you as elders that you guys see us in the way we do life. Not in detail, obviously, but there's limitations because of time and, and how we all, we're all quite busy. But, but within reason, there should be an evidence of our faith and how we trust in God and how we live and how that's how that uh, comes out through our living and the decisions that we make. I mean, we, we, most, most of the guys, in fact, all the guys I know on eldership have laid down their lives in all different forms. When we came into full-time ministry, our salary dropped down to about 25% of what we were earning. We used to start off every month like a negative. And I, I went from an E-class Mercedes to a, a Golf 1 with wind-up windows, you know. And uh, the only thing in common, they were both made in Germany. But other than that... Not a lot in common. Um, but that's, I'm prepared to pay that price you know, to serve God's people. And I, I, we lay down our finances. We lay down everything to serve the bride of Christ because she's so precious and so worth it. We'll do it again. It was tough times, but God always looked after. He provides our needs all the time. Not always I want say. And then um, in, in, while we're in Hebrews, go to verse 7. Just skip, hop, skip to the next part. Um, Obey your leaders... And submit to their authority. Now, how many people are twitching at this point in time? Those who've got authority issues. Um, they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that will be of no advantage to you. 
And that word obey, I remember one guy challenging us years ago on that word. He said, oh, obey means to be persuaded. So I'm not going anywhere until you persuade me. I spent four years in the military, and um, I can't imagine going into battle like that, you know. Okay, attack. Well, give me a good reason why, you know. Um, doesn't cut it in the military. And, um, and really, in the kingdom of God, we, we, we liken to all different things. A bride, you know, this beautiful bride, and the ladies here, they can all relate to that. Sometimes we're an army, and there's all different ways that the bride of Christ is described. But one of them is an army, and, and, and we're, we are at battle for souls, for people's lives. Even, the, even amongst the born-again, the church, there's people who are struggling with all things that have taken place in their lives and need victory and healing. Jenny and I operate a lot in the area of deliverance and, and, um, and seeing people getting set free. Incredible fruit that comes from that. But if you don't settle this thing that God has called leaders to be in your life, and not just to tolerate us. Yeah, do your little leadership thing there on Sunday and you know, call your Wednesday nights and you, you do your thing, I'll do mine, and just don't get too heavy with me. Um, it's got to be birthed out of relationship. That we, you know, we, we never come with rank. When I was in the military, you salute the rank. But in the kingdom, you salute the person, the character. If you look at the, the qualifications to be an elder is character. 30, I think it's something like 13 out of the 14 in 1 Timothy 3 are all character. And only one is gifting, be able to teach. And so much of the church is built on gifting, how I can wow people, raise... I don't care, the Bible says 1 Corinthians 3, if you can raise the dead, if you can prophesy all mysteries, but if you have not got love, you've got nothing. Nothing. Miracles don't, don't impress God because he does them. You don't do them. And we do. If, if, if a guy raised the dead here right now, you'd all be, I'll follow that guy. And there's some guy over here teaching sound doctrine. Now he's a bit boring. You know, I want to I be the guy with all the miracles. And I was lucky when I got saved. Smith Wigglesworth was my hero. The, he raised the dead. And you know, I want to be a Smith Wigglesworth. And as I got older, I suddenly realized, but that's not what God looks for. He looks for people of substance. We went away, I think it was the beginning of this year, with the directing elders who direct the affairs of the church. It's about, I don't know how many of us is. 10, 20 people, something like that, and it changes all the time. It's not a set team. Um, but we went away to Provence. We always go away before the, all the elders come to Wellington, to Provence. And I remember us looking around the room. I think we had Ryan there who came down from Jerby. He used to do City Bowl, and he had come, asked if he could come and join us. I said to the elders, look at us, man. We're so ordinary. There's like no superstars here. No one stands out like, wow, even Andrew Silly. He's wonderful. Man, I love him to bits, you know, but he's not, he's not a, a mega star. He's not something that... Even well, that's more, Jesus was like the book of Isaiah. He said there's nothing to attract us to him. Nothing. It wasn't like, oh, of course you're the Messiah. In fact, even his own half-brothers all said, you're the Messiah. Like, well, seriously? So are you prepared to obey? I'm not going to test you on this right now, but are you prepared to obey us? As we got to do it with, not, not just, hey, I feel like, hey, come cut my grass, you know. But I'm talking about within the, the confines of Scripture, we can't go outside the bounds of Scripture. And there should be a trust element that, that we are safe for you. We've got to be safe for you guys. It's got to be, love always trusts. As I want to be trustworthy, and we're asking you to make a choice to trust us as we make decisions. Because tonight we're going to be speaking about a decision that we've made. And this, we're not called to settle in this life in any form. I've been moved around different congregations over the years. Most of them are short notice. And just phones, hey, can you get to Durbanville? When? Next week. Go and lead that congregation, please. But a 
things happening. This was 10, 12 years ago. He said, you can pray about it. I said, I don't have to pray about it. If your team wants me to go there, I'll go there. I'm here to serve. It's not about me. I was so happy in Sunning Tableview PM congregation. I was, in fact, Breton and came with Will Murray in, in, with us and joined us in 2010, about May, June, somewhere around there. And I said to Andrew, I want this guy to come to Tableview. He, he can, he's going to take over from me one day. But that one day came very quickly. It was like within a few months. And we had to hand over because Andrew said, zip to Durbanville. But we're here to serve God, whatever he wants and whatever's best. So we weigh up, we take decisions, take any decision very carefully because it's people's lives you're dealing with. Not robots, we're not going to move people around willy-nilly. So if you've got authority issues, please deal with them for your sake. As Paul says, you know, it's for you. Get it right. Um, not be beneficial to you if you don't. Sort that out. If you've got to make rights and you've got to sort it out, come and talk to us. We want to walk you through it and help you process it. You know, because a lot of people get hurt by churches. Why do you know churches hurt people? They do. I wish I was perfect leader. I'm not. I know I've hurt people. I wish I hadn't. I don't know who they always are, but I'm sure out there some people saying, "I'm I'm the perpetrator in their story. They're a victim. They're telling a story in some other church." This guy, Russell Fraser, he calls the reason why, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure it's happening. It does happen because often we make decisions and we're trying to help people and they don't always see what, what, what is right. Not that we're always right, but we, we do make mistakes. And we know that. So forgive us. Give us grace. Hopefully we will always be those who lead you from a place of, hey, and owning our mistakes if we make them. And you've got a voice. You must. We need to hear your voices. We're not, done, not asking you to kiss your brains goodbye. You must think. You must think and help us. Because sometimes, guys, we're all just priests. We're all just saints. You can hear God just like we can. But it's a grace gift upon our lives to lead. It's like when I got, when I got uh, married two years after getting saved, age, age of 23. We told the Sternenbosch students this the other night. They all laughed. If you get married at 23. But um, we did. And... Uh, and I said, Lord, I don't want to be a husband. You're going to have to help me. So I watched all the other good, guys, all the good marriages. Then our children at the age of 24, and we were both 24, and I don't want to be a dad. I had to relearn. And God, how do I do this in a godly way? I need to learn. Teach me, Lord. And he did through other people, watching their lives. But there's a maturity that God wants us to come into. That's, you know, if you read in Ephesians 4, it talks about the fivefold ministry to equip the body of, for works of service. And it's to bring it into unity and maturity. There are so many babies in the church, even gray-haired ones. Even ones who've been in the church 40 years, they're just repeating year one 40 times. They go round and round the mountain, you know. I'm mature, I'm gray-haired, I've been in the church 40 years, sonny boy, you know. But they're just, God says, come up the mountain. No, I don't, don't want to learn a lesson, don't want to go through what God's called them to. They go round the mountain. And they're just babies. And I deal with older men sometimes, sometimes pastors and elders in churches. And you poke them, and out comes a little boy, a 15-year-old, who was hurt years ago and has never learned to trust or never learned to give his heart, staying in that place of pain and, and hurt. And they need healing. And they've learned how to cope and get a, go through life and just cope and to fit into life. So many folk like that. Let's be those who, who desire maturity. Because a mature body God can use. You know, if I ask a five-year-old to go and fix a motorbike, it, they won't be very successful. They're not mature enough. They don't have the understanding, the strength. But if I ask a, I don't know how old you are, I mean, but a gentleman of not young age any longer, but um, 
but he's younger than something, somebody. <laughs> he's younger than me. How do you dig yourself out of holes, Brett? How does it go again? Huh? More mature. That's it, more mature. You know, he can do it because he's been trained, he's done that, been there, it's experience. He's got a lot to, if you, if you poke him, you'll just know how to fix that motorbike, you know, fix it, you'll know, fix it. And we find that the church, we need the church, all hands on deck, the whole church going forward together. But if every week we've got to go through the same fixing and healing and pain, because sometimes people hang on to their pain. I think it came through that lady earlier. It becomes part of their identity, and they actually just don't want to let it go. And then it can drift into sin, actually. And we beat those who attack, attack things in our lives head on. Say, Lord, I want to get healed. There's been many times, God, I see things in my own life, and I just I can't see a way forward. I said, Lord, help me. I can't see it, but send people to help me. I want to get through this. I want to get healed. I can't stay here. How's this? Um, we've got a lady, and I use her every time I preach, I think. Poor lady. But I, she's a hero, though. Her name's Anri. She's an actuary. She's very clever. And she looks after our, you guys got a pantry. We've got a pantry fund. We've got a fund in Durbanville AM. And so we're having a leaders meeting. We've got like 70, 80 leaders in Durbanville AM. And, you know, worship God, just give us some feedback on how it's going. And, and uh, got to her, hey, so Anri, tell us how it's going. And, the, and she just froze. She went dead. She's gone red. I mean, seriously red. And she just sat there and just looked at me. So I had to, like, move on. And after the went on, she said, I'm so sorry. I apologize. I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that. She said, no, do that again. I cannot afford to stay in the fear of man. God wants to use me, and I can't be used if I act like that and respond like that. Brave lady. Today she'll stand up and she'll speak from the front. Absolutely not scared of man anymore. And so there's things, you know, you can change your personality. I've had to change my personality. It's not natural that I stand here. I'm a helicopter mechanic by trade. I've also got a motorbike, and I've got, I've got six motorbikes, little ones. And um, I had to look at my wife there for reassurance. And uh, where was I going with that? Distracted myself. Help, Jen, that's what I pay you for. Helicopter, before that, before that. Personality change. That's right. My natural personality would be sit in the garage and fix my motorbikes. But to stand up here like this is, is, is God. It can only be God. Even when I prophesied that I teach one day at Bible college, and I never went into ministry, because God took me through 20 years of just business, more. He said, you're not ready. Other guys were more gifted. They got raised up. I wasn't that gifted. And God just added gifting to me. That parable that was read tonight, thank you for reading that, of the talents. I've got other people's talents now. The Bible says, if you don't use your talents, there's there. He takes your talents away and gives it to those who are using it. So I had just one. Other guys had like 15. And then, but I said, I'll be faithful the small. I'll just love God's people. I'll serve them. I'll, even through my job and raising my three sons. And, and God says, okay, that oak's not using his gift. Come, I'll give it to you. And I said, Lord, just give me more. For the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of your church, use me, God. I'll take whatever gift you want to give to me. I said to the man, he'd actually died this year, but older than me in his late 60s. And um, I baptized him in 1982. Our two oldest sons both went to each other's first birthday parties. That's how close we were. And they were elders in our previous church up in Durban. Like, really, this man is so gifted. If he walked into this room, he would just dominate it through his gifting and the natural gifting that God had put in him. And he came and sat in my lounge a few years ago, and he said, I'm divorcing my wife, you know. And there's no real reason, no adultery, just drifted apart, hasn't looked after the marriage, and, and they just almost getting divorced. I said, but that's not biblical. It's not God's plan. And we... Really, I said, you should be doing what I'm doing. You're far more gifted, man, because you haven't walked in what God's called that God has used guys like me. 
But just be available and allow God to raise you and grow you into what he wants you to do. Maturity is looking for. And we need leaders to lead God's people. Allow us to lead you to where God wants you to take you in your life. We want the best for you. They really do. And you're more important than your gifting. Daily more important than your gifting. So tonight, having laid all that, um, Titus even says, uh, in, in the book of Titus, Paul says, you know, go into every town. And the reason I left you, Titus, was to go into every town and, and ordain elders in every town. God, in every church, there should be elders, plurality, who, who are part of God's plan and looking after and shepherding God's people as 1 Peter 5, which we haven't got to read because we're running out of time. She reads. You can read it. Um, and being a lead elder is another level of leadership, and that's what we're going to talk about now in a minute. Brett's going to come up. Um, lead elder carries a responsibility that other elders don't even carry. They, they don't know what they don't know sometimes, other elders, what it's like to be a lead elder, because you're trying to play everyone to their gifting and, and coordinate and um, bring everyone forward and, and uh, is a better word, manage the expectations of the team that a lead elder carries. It's a... It's a, it's a it's a good burden, but it is a burden. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. Is that right? And so Brett's going to come up here now and chat to you guys. Yeah, it's lucky to have you here, right? We nice to be preached here a while back, eh? Yeah, man, it's lacquer, lacquer. So with that, um, and with the, and I think I've said it to a lot of us here that are in PM, you, you are more important than your gift to us. And so um, with that principle happening, that's, that's what uh, Andrew and the guys are feeling for myself and for Abs. Um, we're going to be moving to the AM congregation to be on Rian's team and to help out. So there's two things that are happening here. We need a little bit of space. It is, it is a weighty thing. I've been leading for 13 years now. I led uh, Sunnydale for eight years, PM, and then this is about our fifth year here. Um, and Russ, I mean, a lot of what I'm walking in is because, because Russ saw something in us and in me, which is amazing. And so with that, we've just, in, in a period of our lives, we, uh, the, the pressure is, is immense. Um, I haven't being the best husband um, over the last while, just because I've been trying to give everything to the church. And so, um, yeah, I'm going to move to the morning, going to be on Rian's team. There's, uh, I mean, it's a biggish congregation. He's the only full-time guy on the team. So I'm going to slot in there, help him, help the eldership team, do what God wants us to do. But with that, just taking the pressure off me leading congregations for now, so that Abs and I can continue to work on our relationship. We've been away for the three months, uh, sabbatical. A lot of cool things happened. God did amazing things in us, put things into place, walking with Liz and Andrew. So many, just so many milestones in getting healthy or healthier um, and wanting to step into the more, you know. And so with, with this step and with stepping into AM and me moving out of PM, it's just another step in concreting what God has already done if that makes any sense. And so that's where Basil and Shirley and Joel come in. They're going to be taking over from us and leading this congregation. And man, it was so funny because Jazz and I were talking about a week ago, going, hey man, that will be amazing for an edge me kind of context. 
And literally, like, that next Friday, Russ is like, hey, man, let's chat. And we're feeling to move into the morning, put Basil and Shirley in here. And I'm going, no ways. This is so, so amazing. And so I want to say this. Love you guys so much. Thank you for letting us be a part of you. Thank you for letting us just grow together. Thank you for tolerating <laughs> all the things that God has, has built in us. And I was just thinking back over the last five years. We have, we've had an amazing ride. I mean, where's in Michelle's wedding? A highlight for us. Really kept it. This place was packed out. He preached at his own wedding. We put a wedding together in one week. We walked in here. This is the, one of the most beautiful venues I've ever seen. Just everybody throwing everything into it. Man, the way we got through COVID <laughs> on Zoom <laughs> was phenomenal. And so it's been an amazing, amazing time. And um, we're hoping that as we step into a new season and as this congregation steps into a new season, not only you guys will grow and step into the more of what God is, but Abs and ourselves and our family. Shane Beth is so cute. We told her this week because we didn't want to. And she's like upstairs now. I signed her in. She's like, Dad, we're going to tell my friends. You know, can I tell them like after the service? So they're coming on board. They're getting excited. We're excited. And again, it's we're dead. Any time, any place, anywhere, we want to be reused by the Lord. And so when I thank, say thank you, love you guys. And could I ask, as I close, because we are kind of, kind of over time a little bit, but could you follow Basil and Shirley as you followed me? You've given your heart. You've given your minds. You've given your resources. You've, given, you've been open. You've, done, you've been so amazing to lead. And could I ask, I know shift and change can be quite difficult, but man, they're an amazing couple. And this is God. He's sovereign. He's building his church. It's not on me or Russell or anybody. It's on him. And so could I ask you, for, but you've been so good to us. Please can you love them like you love us. And by God's grace, we're not leaving the area. We're still in the area. We're still probably going to pop in. We'll give some time to for the guys to settle in. Basil, can we can pop in, say, how's it? Um, we still want to have the friendships that we have. We don't want to, it's not a cutting. We're not a business. We, uh, we're a family. And uh, we'll just be serving in the AM, and you guys will continue to serve in the PM. Um, does it make sense? And if there's any questions, if there's any concerns, if there's anything on, hey, what the heck are you guys doing, please. We, we're here until, uh, yeah, I'm here for another two or three weeks. I'm going to be co- continue leading until uh, we've got the conference coming up, so it's a really busy time. And then that next week, I think it's the four, 15th, 14th, we're going away as leaders. How cool is that? God already orchestrated that. So Basil and his family will be coming Friday night and Saturday morning. They've got a, a wedding on Saturday afternoon. And we can do put in with the, the leaders and, and get things up and going. But come and speak to us if you've got any questions. I want to make this very clear if I can. It's, there's no sin issue. There's no, it's not a discipline thing. We spoke through this. It's just we need some time, just a new season, less pressure to focus on what God wants us to focus on. Does that make I just want to kill any... Ding, 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 in your minds. If I, if I was under discipline, I wouldn't be leading until Basil and come. There would be a different process altogether, if that makes any sense. Was it, is that all right? Could I, could I pray for us? Because we do believe this is a spring season coming. We, we want to see more salvations. We want to see more people risen up. We want to see the young adults vibing. You know, how long, Sam, have I been asking you guys to write songs? Four years. Now, I was like, how kiff was that song this evening? 
coming from, uh, yeah, man. And so, super stoked. So, let's stand together. Let's pray. You guys look all right. Yeah? It's like an exciting season. Father, thank you for just that you building your church. Thanks for Russ and Jen and Andrew and the guys that are just doing such an amazing job, Lord. Thank you that you are moving and doing amazing things in us and through us. Thank you that we're one church that meets across the city. And Lord, that you have knit us together because you're a good father. And Lord, I want to pray for, the, for PM and AM and all the 44 congregations that we have around the city that you will continue to move and do what you need to do so that we can see as many souls saved as possible, Father. That we'll see many people come to maturity <laughs> because it's not about us or what we want or where we want to live. Or it's because you are moving and working on this planet. And so we want to thank you, Lord, for being an awesome Father. Thank you for moving and working in us so magnificently. We really just want to say we love you and love your ways. Love what you're doing, God. Such an exciting time to live. (laughs) Such an amazing church to be a part of. So we want to give you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amazing. Are you sneaking up to say something? You will. You can just not too long. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. Even even just with the shift, as Brett mentioned.